0: The story of the Sikhs continues as the fifth guru, Arjun, embarks on a great endeavor. His older brother, Prithi Chand, escalates his bitter rivalry with the guru. A blessing is obtained. This is co-producer Erica Wong welcoming you to join us on this fascinating journey.
1: There was great joy in Ramdaspur. Throngs of pilgrims had overrun the town. They were there to marvel at the beautiful new temple of God, the Harmandir that Guru Arjan had built. The noted writer Paivir Singh in his work, Jeevan Prasang Sri Guru Arjan Dev Ji, muses about the state of the Guru's mind as the new temple was thrown open to the faithful. In order to emphasize the ubiquity and the omnipresence of the Lord, the temple had been built with four doors. The platform in the middle of the sacred pool, which had been the site of many a joyous gathering in the days of Guru Ram Dass, had been turned into a permanent structure to serve as the foundation of the Harmandir. The platform, however, was not raised. It was built to be as low as it possibly could be. Why was this done? Perhaps it was reflective of Guru Arjan's utter humility. As the Harmandar was being built, the Guru's town Ramdaspur began to expand as well. When the task was completed, the people wondered, how could a holy man ever be capable of such an impressive and wondrous creation? All the Sikhs, the faithful, the visitors, could only exclaim, Blessed is Guru Arjan. The Guru, however, true to his nature, remained humble and uttered a hymn which emphasized that the glory wasn't his. Whatever had been accomplished was by the grace of God. Santa ke karaj aap khaloya har kam aya Ram तरत सुहावी ताल सुहावा विच अमृत जल छाया राम अमृत जल छाया पूरण साज कराया सगल मनोरथ पुरे जय जय कार भया जग अंतर लाथे सगल विसुरे पूरण पुरख अचुत अविनासी जस वेद पुराणी गाया अपना बिरद रखया परमेश्वर नानक नाम धयाया the Lord's assistance is at hand, by the faithful does he stand. Sweet nectar all around abounds, this beauteous tank, this beauteous land. Sweet pool, sweet water filled, all that I have craved fulfilled. Cries of victory high and low, vanquished is my every woe. The holy books and tomes they sing, the glories of the eternal King. Once again the Lord is kind, with his name filled is Nanak's mind. Guru Arjan had first refinished the tank that his father, Guru Ram Das, had built, lining it with baked limestone bricks, the construction of the temple, then followed. The poet Sintok Singh imagines the delight of the Almighty when the sacred pool was created, and he commanded Guru Arjan to build the temple. जगत भगत मग शुभ विस्तारा सर को करें परम उपकारा जिस ते सिखी थिरे सदीवा गाये कीर्तन कर्मनीवा सर अंदर अब श्रीहर मंदर सिर्जे जिसकी रचना सुंदर जहे जवाहर जबे विलंद शोबे बाव पूरन चंद चौहान दस चौदर सिर्जावो रुचर बंगला उर्द करावो पश्चिम डिस्को सेत्र चावो तीर पौर बनवावो श्री अर्जुन की पकरे बाहु बयोंत बतावत सब जग ना हूं। ए मेरो मंदर बन होई जिसकी समता करे ना कोई तीन लोक में होय न जैसो भजन प्रताप बने नित असो नरक निवारण कारण मोख Mero simran hoye nirdok. Jo nar sarda dhar ur param. Gaye keevtan hue nishparam. Moiko mile aye maran Janum maranke bund bidwanse. Such service verily hard to find. This tank you built, endeavor kind. Faith of the six will your act bind. Songs of worship in every mind temple of god and sacred pool create you shall this beauteous jewel with precious stones shall you festoon beauty to rival the full moon build it you shall with portals four above it let a great dome soar a path to it towards the west stairway for the pilgrims blessed much wisdom did the lord convey Counsel the Guru showed the way, This wondrous temple, beauteous mine, None other shall with its glory shine, None other like it shall there be, Worship and glory world shall see, Of sorrow, pain, forever free, The faithful here shall worship me. Carrying devotion in their heart, Sing pains, their doubts depart, the ones that come here to seek me, banished, shed will their sorrows be. It was a tremendous achievement. For ever since its creation, the Harmandar Sahib, or Golden Temple as it is often referred to, has loomed large in the consciousness of Sikhs. Guru Nanak and the Gurus who followed him completely rejected the tradition of going to so-called holy places of pilgrimage to seek spiritual benefit. In a certain sense, however, the Harmandar Sahib has become a place of pilgrimage to the Sikhs for various reasons. Millions flock to it from all over the world. In the most part, the Sikhs of Guru come here for the peace and tranquility. On a personal note, every time I visit the Harbandar Sahib, I feel connected to the tumultuous ebb and flow of the history of my faith in very profound ways. For we shall learn, the Harbandar Sahib was to play and outsized role in the history of the Sikhs. As the most enduring and visible symbol of the faith, it became the target of tyrant after tyrant who wanted to suppress the aspirations of the Sikhs. This, the most peaceful place of worship one can imagine, was to be the site of many terrible massacres and was destroyed and desecrated multiple times. Each time, however, the indomitable spirit of the Sikhs would rise from its ashes intact and assert itself again as they rebuilt the temple and restored its glory. Guru Arjan looked at his wife, Mata Ganga, with concern. She sat crumpled in a heap on the floor, sobbing, her eyes red from crying. Every day she taunts me. She calls me the unfortunate one. She says that your glory will be short-lived and your name shall die with you. She says that Meherban will be the next Guru. With that, Mata Ganga dissolved into another paroxysm of tears. Mata Ganga was complaining about Karmo, Priti wife, for she had been saying cruel things about Mata Ganga and pouring derision upon her for not being able to produce an heir. Karmo had been gloating that her own son Mehrban, the grandson of Guru Ram das, would eventually succeed Guru Arjan as he had no son of his own. While the entire world had accepted Guru Arjan's ascension and treated him with the utmost respect, his older brother Prithi Chand and his family continued to oppose him bitterly. Prithichand Chand had prophesied that his brother would forever remain childless. the day that Guru Ram Das had passed away, Baba Mori, the son of Guru Amardas and Guru Arjan's uncle, had bestowed upon him a turban, as was the custom, recognizing him as his father's heir. Prithichand Chand had protested vigorously. Rather than letting the ugly incident mar the solemnity of the occasion, Guru Arjan surrendered the turban to the triumphant Prithichand and quietly returned to Ramdaspur. The Emperor Akbar, of the House of Zafar, who we have encountered in a previous episode, still sat on the Mughal throne in Delhi. Priti sought out Sulahi Khan, a revenue officer of the Mughal government. He portrayed himself as a victim of Guru Arjan's schemes, and enlisted his help in a complaint he intended to file in the Emperor Akbar's court. Suleyih Khan, anticipating a profitable outcome, readily agreed to help him. Prithi Chand next went to the leading citizens of Amritsar to complain that his youngest brother Guru Arjan had cheated him and their other brother Mahadev out of their inheritance, leaving them no means of livelihood. Guru Arjan ceded all the rents and taxes generated by their family property to his brothers willingly and retained for his own use only the offerings of the faithful, these offerings were used to fund the langar, the community kitchen, where thousands were fed, and for meeting the other needs of the Sikhs. Prithi Chand continued to plot with Sulhi Khan against his brother, and the matter was brought to the attention of Vazir Khan, the deputy prime minister in the Emperor Akbar's court, who happened to be a great admirer of Guru Arjan's. Vazir Khan commanded Sulahi Khan to bring about a compromise between the brothers. The intransigent Prithichand pretended to go along with the suggestion, but kept on needling and harassing Guru Arjan. The Guru decided to leave Ramdaspur and travelled west to the Maja, the land that lay between the Beas and the Ravi rivers. He spent time at Kadur and Goindwal, which were prominent Sikh centres established by Guru Angad and Guru Amar Das, and visited many humble Sikhs in the region. After an extensive tour, he paid a visit to Baba Sri Chand, the son of Guru Nanak, who greeted him with great affection. Sri Chand inquired why the Guru wandered hither and thither instead of living peacefully in Ramdaspur. The Guru told him the sorry tale of Priti Chand's jealousy. He had left Ram Daspur so that his brother would be distressed no more. Sri Chan snorted. Prithichand's conduct will be his damnation, he said ominously. Guru had hoped that his absence from Ramdaspur might have had a calming effect on his brother, but of course it had made no difference at all. Prithi Chand and his wife had been enraged at his return. Karmo's taunts directed at Mata Ganga told Guru Arjan that the animosity had only intensified. Guru Arjan tried to console his wife. Dhrum chhaya, rach durmate tate kutumb mo mithya, simrant nanak Ram Ram Illusion wondrous town enchanted, leafy shade enchants the mind, fanciful is the love of kin, in the name of the lord nanak entwined. Then he quoted the Sufi saint freed to bring peace to his wife's heart and emphasize the virtues of forbearance. Frida bureda Palakar Gusa gussa Dehi rogna laggayi, palle Show kindness to the evil ones, From the heart may anger flee, Your body freed of illness, Contentment shall you see. Mother Ganga was not comforted by the Guru's homily About the ephemeral nature of human relationships. Nor did the wise words of Sheikh Farid Lessen the sting of Karmo's taunts. You are the gracious and powerful Guru. Thousands flock to your court each day, and every wish they make is fulfilled. Surely it's a simple matter for you to bless me with a son. The Guru went into deep thought and then spoke. It is not within my power to grant you a son. Only God has such power over the fate of humans. Seeing his wife's shoulders sag even more, he went on. There is, however, one whose blessing might make a difference. In the forest lives an old man whose name is Pai Buddha. He is a venerable Sikh from the time of Guru Nanak. He collects firewood for my kitchen and grass for my stables. His only concern is the worship of the Lord. He lives simply and eats only what is brought to him from the langer. Go to him in all humility and ask for his blessing. If he is pleased, you will have a son. For God looks favorably upon the saints that walk this earth. Bhai Buddha is certainly one of them. Mother Ganga was jubilant. She was sure that she would have a son now. She would go to Pai Buddha and seek his blessing. He was a Sikh, and she was the Guru's wife. He would not, could not deny her. In great excitement, Mata Ganga summoned her servants and companions, the wives of the prominent men of Ramdaspur. She informed them of the expedition to Pai Buddha's home the next day and commanded them to prepare. The next morning, carriages and sedans were readied, the cooks were instructed to prepare all kinds of sweet and fried delicacies for Pai Buddha, as they would arrive right around the time when he usually received his meal from the langar. Laughing and chattering, Mother Ganga and her companions left for the forest, accompanied by a retinue of male and female servants. The poet Santok Singh describes the royal whirlwind that descended upon Pai Buddha. सायंदन तुरंग जोर सुंदर सजाए रंग कलस उतांग चमीकर दूत दंद के गाजे मंद नीर धर शब्द गंभीर भयो ता सकल करें आनंद विलंद की दासी ब्रिंद सिखनी बहल पे अरुड चली मानव की भीर संग गमने सुगाह को मधुर स्नेगद बिसद है बरन जिसलीनो पकवान हेत खान चितचाह को जोर भरे वाहुन खुले है बहुदिन खरे चंचल चालाकी करें देत उत्साह को वृद्ध को स्थान नेरे रहयो तब प्रेरे पंथ भाजे घंट बाजे छब छाजे शुभ बाह को पीछे ते बहल ब्रिंद बल के बेलंद करें सग्री धावई धूर चढ़ी आसमान में घुंगरू घम के घोर पैरते बजनते नेमी शब्द उठनते जान दौड़त पयान में Shore utejor kag ure chehang dhae banate palaemgatraanaame go bre the pas taso puccio e qu ave jvape beakul bishi steeds are yoked to chariots and colors bright abound, wrists adorned with bracelets gold, glory all around, like the rumble of rain-laden clouds. Approaching loud earth-bound, Everywhere the head does turn, Lusty, excited, voices sound, Riding with the queen a horde, Carriage laden with friend and slave, Carrying with them baskets full, Viands fine that men do crave, Roofless carriages open sky, boisterous voices are pitched high. Destination does draw nigh, ringing bells and chariots fly. Thundering hooves the oxen fly, cloud of dust covers the sky. Tinkling bells on the beast's heels, rolling chariots thundering wheels. Lions, deer, and birds alike flee the forest and take flight. The sage bemused, he wants to know. Approaches who? Such pomp and show? Bahi Buddha harumphed. What happened in Ramdaspur? Was there a stampede there that caused the good people of the city to leave in such haste and seek shelter here? He then turned to Mata Ganga. Why have you come here in such unseemly haste? Mata Ganga was terrified. She knew that she had offended the sage. She shivered in fright and tried to speak but was unable to. One of her attendants addressed by Buddha humbly. Guru Arjan sent us here, O sage. You have been blessed by Guru Nanak himself. You are a great soul and there is none like you. You have lived a life of exemplary service and you are the oldest Sikh alive. Mata Ganga is in great difficulty. She salutes you and begs you to bless her so that she might have a son. Bhai Buddha let the woman finish and spoke. A boon of a son is not mine to give. I am a humble grass cutter. How could I possibly wield such power? Guru Arjan is powerful and blessed. Each day thousands bring their woes to him and he grants every wish and solves every problem. She should go to him. Gunga was crushed. A hush descended upon her entourage, their gaiety and boisterousness completely abandoned. Morosely, they mounted their carriages and chariots and headed back to Ramdaspur, convinced that Prithi Chan's vicious prophecy was destined to be true. One look at Mata Ganga's furrowed brow was enough to tell Guru Arjan that things had not gone well. Sobbing inconsolably, Mata Ganga told the Guru what had happened. When the Guru heard that she had taken an unruly mob of courtiers and attendants, laden with rich delicacies with her to see Pai Buddha, and had one of her attendants petition him on her behalf, he shook his head. You should have gone as a humble supplicant, he said, and you should have petitioned Bhai Buddha yourself. By Buddha must have been offended by your arrogance and the pomp and show. He then proceeded to give her some very specific instructions. Go get some wheat and an equal measure of chickpeas. Have them ground together and with your own hands make some coarse salted bread. Slather the bread with butter And churn yogurt to make some thick buttermilk. Be sure to take a few onions as well. Go barefoot to Pai Buddha bearing the food on your head. Approach him with humility and then make your request. You will not be disappointed. Unaccustomed to walking barefoot, carrying a heavy load upon her head, Mother Ganga made her way to Pai Buddha's modest home in the forest. Pai Buddha was hungry. He hadn't eaten since the previous day. He looked at the figure approaching, somewhat unsteady on her feet, staggering under the heavy burden on her head, and nodded gravely. You are blessed, Mata Ganga," he said. You are the guru's wife. You are exalted. You have every right to ride in a chariot. And yet, here you are barefoot, bearing a heavy load on your head. "'Stripped of all the arrogance of your station, "'how could your yearnings not be satisfied?' "'Pai Buddha then took the heavy load off Mataganga's head and saluted her. "'Then he sat down and started to eat with great relish. "'In the manner of rustic folk, "'he smashed the onions with his fist and ate them with the bread, "'greatly enjoying the buttermilk as well. "'After he had finished eating,' Mata Ganga stood before him, seeming to shrink into herself with humility. O venerable sage, there is truly none like you. You have faithfully served Guru Nanak and all the gurus who followed him. I beg you to dispel this darkness. Bless me so that an heir to the guru might be born. The sky was overcast and the wind howled mightily. Lightning flashed, illuminating the sky in every direction. The dark clouds looked like hordes of mighty warriors wielding swords of lightning, each one of them encouraging Pai Buddha to bless the Guru's wife. Boleo bad utsha barhavat tan bali bisal guru गादी तजे तख्त पर बैठे असल अच्छन दिखत है मुंह रणप्रिय रण घमा सांन मचावे दुष्ट खपावे करके क्रो जथा सुकंदक मैं अब फोड़े तिस मुगलन को फोड़े सीस जिस खुदे आरत मुझ त्रिपताईस ते तृपते त्रिपते आस जुतीस पीरी अर्मीरी जग धारे नाम सोहरगो बिर जगदीस Jodha Prakate Sadat Tumhare, Jite Anganan Mahish Excited spake the holy sage, A warrior harks bearing sharp sword, A blessing on you I accord, A guru to crush the Mughal horde, The gurus seat a royal throne, This is what I do foresee, Bane of tyrants you shall see, A fearsome warrior will he be, Just as these onions I smash Will smash the heads of Mughals he Like my hunger sated see Content and fulfilled shall you be Swords of might and right, his fame Hargobind shall be his name They'll say a mighty warrior came Countless enemies who will claim Very soon, Mata Ganga was with child Karma, of course, was beside herself when she heard of Mata Ganga's pregnancy. She berated her husband, Prithi Chand, for having falsely prophesied that Guru Arjan would remain childless. Her constant needling prompted Prithi Chan to act, and he began to plot with Sulhi Khan again. Sulhi Khan decided to attack Ram Daspur under the pretense of levying tribute. It was clear that Guru Arjan and his family would be targeted during the raid, and many innocent Sikhs would suffer. Guru Arjan decided to leave Ramdaspur to save his beloved followers from the wrath of Sulhi Khan and took refuge in Vadali, a village several miles away. Prithi Chand strutted around in Ramdaspur claiming that he was the real Guru, but the Sikhs contemptuously rejected his claims and prayed for the Guru's return. As prophesied by Pai Buddha, Madha Ganga delivered a healthy baby boy on June 19, 1595. He was named Hargobind. While the Sikhs in Vadali and Ramdas were celebrated, Karmo fumed and raged. She berated her husband again, mocking him for his inability to seize the guruship from his brother. Now she has a son! All my hopes have been dashed, and our son Mehrban will never be guru now, prithi muttered darkly and declared that the child would not be allowed to live. He would see to Mehrban's succession, he swore. Karmo had no confidence in her husband and decided to take matters in her own hand. She sent for a woman who had served as a wet nurse to the family numerous times and recruited her to carry out her evil designs. Go to Vadali, she said. Offer your services as a wet nurse to Ganga. Here is a token payment of a hundred rupees. Once you have poisoned the baby, you will get more money, and when my son Mehervan is anointed Guru, you will receive a mansion. In return for your service, you will live in comfort for the rest of your life. She presented an expensive shawl to the wet nurse and sent her on her way. The wet nurse went home and prepared a sweet concoction called Gurti that is often given to babies to calm them down. In the bottle, she added poison and also applied poison to her breasts. Mata Ganga received her cordially in Vadali when she introduced herself as a wet nurse who had served the Guru's extended family for years. Mata Ganga who could never imagine that Prithichandan Karmo could sink this low, immediately hired the wet nurse. The baby was refusing to suckle and was hungry and irritated. Mother Ganga turned the baby over to the wet nurse, who produced the bottle of poisoned gurthi. She offered the concoction to the baby, who kept on refusing it. Frustrated, she forced it into his mouth, but he howled in protest refusing to swallow it and spitting it out. The wet nurse by this time was sweating. It was impossible, but it almost seemed that the baby knew the Gurti was poisoned. He was the Guru's son, after all. Maybe there were forces to play that she could not comprehend. In desperation, she loosened her blouse and made a show of trying to feed the baby. As she offered her breast to the baby, she felt dizzy and fell backwards in a faint. When she came to, she was terrified, and sobbing piteously, she confessed her intentions to Mata Ganga. Prithi and Karma were much reviled when the truth came out, but they were not to be stopped. They kept plotting ways and means to kill the infant. They hired a snake charmer to let a poisonous cobra loose close to the infant, but that plot ended in failure as well when the snake was killed. When Hargubind was two years old, a group of Sikhs arrived in Vadali, much distressed, and they begged Guru Arjan to return to Ramdaspur. They felt lost and abandoned without the Guru. They had left their ancestral homes and villages to settle in Ramdaspur and felt that life there was meaningless without their Guru's presence. Hordes of pilgrims continued to arrive to visit the Harmandir Sahib, they had all been sorely disappointed when they learned that the guru no longer lived in the town moved by their devotion guru arjan decided to return to ramdaspur with his family as soon as they arrived he sent his family and attendants to their home and went directly to the harmandir sahib he bathed them the tank and went to the langar to assist in the preparation of food which he then served to the visitors and congregants with his own two hands. Always willing to let bygones be bygones, he sent for his son, and carrying the baby, took some food to Prithichand and respectfully saluted him. I am back, brother, he said. I have brought your nephew Hargobind to you for your blessing. Prithichand made a great show of pretending to be pleased and said, May you both live long. The guru then took his son to his other brother, Mahadev, who fondly blessed the child. With jealousy and constantly needled by the desperate Garmo, who was determined that her son Mehrban should be Guru someday, Prithichand kept on hatching schemes to harm the young Hargobind. Smallpox had spread in Ramdaspur, and Prithichand cursed the child, hoping that he would contract the disease. Much to his delight, the boy developed a fever. And in a few days, his body broke out and read pustules. Prithichand and Karma were ecstatic, but much to their disappointment, the boy survived. The jubilation and prayers of thanksgiving of all the six of Ramdaspur on his recovery only served to embitter Prithichand even more. Prithichand then sent for a Brahmin who had been retained as a personal attendant to Hargobin and bribed him with a large sum of money. The Brahmin tried to poison the child, who refused the poisoned food and started to cry. Guru Arjan suspected another plot and confronted the Brahmin, who confessed. Once again, Prithi Chand's treachery stood exposed. When the Guru reproached Prithi Chand, He began to bluster and deny any involvement with the plot, accusing the Guru of blaming him unjustly. Pretending to be affronted, he decided to petition the Emperor Akbar and ask for his intervention in his dispute with the Guru once again. Once more he sought out Sulahi Khan and asked for his help. As Sulahi Khan was in the employ of the Mughal court, his brother Mahadev tried to restrain him with no success. The Guru even sent by Gurdas to reason with Prithi Chand, but he was adamant. He believed he had a strong claim as the older son of the former Guru. Besides, he had a powerful ally in Sulahi Khan. Finally, Sulahi Khan received a summons from the royal court in Delhi. Prithi Chand, greatly excited accompanied him to the capital to petition the emperor. The Emperor Akbar patiently heard the complaint and then dismissed it. It seemed without merit, and he had no desire to interfere in the affairs of holy men. Disappointed beyond belief, Prithichand fell ill. Akbar was a wise and enlightened king, but he was getting old, Waiting in the wings was his son Selim, who was cut from very different cloth. The fates of the house of Zafar and the house of Guru Nanak were intertwined, and much violence and sorrow lay ahead. For the moment, however, Guru Arjan was left in peace to continue the mission of Guru Nanak.
0: The story of the Sikhs is written and narrated by Sarpreet Singh, author of the poem Kultars Mime, which was adapted for the stage and tells the story of the massacre of the Sikhs in Delhi in 1984. The story of the Sikhs is produced by Almas Media. Our theme music is a rendition of a traditional Sikh hymn by the late Bai Avtar Singh. This episode features a recording by a little-known Sikh Kirtanya, or minstrel, Gyani Darshan Singh Sohal. Giani Darshan Singh Sohal spent many years serving and studying with the legendary Gyan Singh Almast, the renowned and idiosyncratic musical genius. The Story of the Sikhs is sponsored by the Chardi Kala Foundation, a non profit that helps young Sikhs in the diaspora understand the values of their faith, serial entrepreneur Dr. Ratinder Pal Singh Ahuja, and the Sani Family Foundation. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are two things you can do to help us reach more listeners. Please subscribe to the podcast and be sure to write a short review. I am co-producer and audio engineer Erica Wong. In the next episode, we will learn about Guru Arjun's greatest achievement, the creation of the Sikh scripture, the Guru Granth Sahib. Thank you for joining us. We leave you with the rest of the recording of the hymn of Thanksgiving that Guru Arjan composed after the Harmandar Sahib was built.
2: i you I'm going to